For the love of Jesus Christ and grace and peace be unto you from God our Father. As we gather here today, I'm grateful for the opportunity to share with this church family as you begin this awesome season of moving into your church conference, addressing the real realities of ministering in a social media age and how it is that we seek to carry out our call to be fishers of men and women in this world. Uh, it is with that in mind that God has placed what I believe is a relevant teaching word for this season that you enter into, and I would ask if you're able that you turn with me to the book of the Acts of the Apostles. Um, as you're turning to Acts chapter 3, I want to give thanks to God uh, for Pastor Lomax for the kind invitation uh, to invite me to be here with you all in this church family. He is a visionary under-shepherd um, and has his pulse on the reality of what is going on in the world and how the church must seek to address it. And you ought to give thanks to God for having an anointed pastor in your midst. As you're turning to Acts chapter 3, I'll, I'll say this to you, that, that if your hairdresser is bad, the worst thing that can happen is you go bald-headed. If your dentist is bad, the worst thing that happens is you lose your teeth and buy some new ones. If your doctor is bad, the worst thing that can happen to you is that you die. But if you do not have an anointed man or woman of God whom God has called to claim and shepherd you and feed you with knowledge and understanding, not only will you miss joy in this life, but you can die and suffer under eternal damnation because you did not receive the truth of God's word. So can I try it again? Are you thankful for Pastor Wayne Lomax and all that he feeds you with in this place? Amen. The fact that he is a Tar Heel is notwithstanding. I still love him with the love of the Lord, even though I bleed Duke Blue all day long. Um, I want to thank God as we turn to Acts chapter 3 that I'm not here today alone. I want to thank friends and family that gather, especially the Allens who come to stand and support with me. Acts chapter 3, beginning in verse number 1, I want to read out of the New King James Version of God's Holy Word. As long as your book says Bible, you can keep along with me. Acts chapter 3, beginning in verse number 1. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer. It was around the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. This man, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping, stood up and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. A certain man sat at the gate of the temple asking alms. Do me a favor. Would you give the title of today's sermon to your neighbor before you sit down? Show him you brushed all your teeth before you came to church. Amen. And tell him, neighbor... Oh neighbor, can you help a brother out? You may be seated in the presence of God. Can you help 
a brother out. Um, God has graced me with the privilege of flying into different cities and proclaiming his word. Pastor Lomax, whenever I fly to a new city, I'm always interested in eating. I love to eat. Um, whenever pastors want to take me out to eat, I guess they mistakenly assume that, that I like fine dining, you know, places with multiple forks and knives and linen towels. But I need to confess I'm from the south side of Chicago. Um, and as such, I have some humble beginnings, amen. And I like to eat in some places where I know I'm going to get some good food. Places where I'm going to leave satisfied having to loosen at least one notch on my belt, looking for a pillow and a blanket to lay myself down. Because I like eating like that, I like eating in restaurants that are not so fancy, not always linen, maybe just, you know, some barely washed forks and plastic. Uh, places that serve red Kool-Aid and call it high. So, you know, I just like places like that. Places that got one name, you know, one name restaurant, Irma's, Lou's, Harold's, Frenchie's, you know, little places like that. And I found that the only place to find those restaurants are on our side of town. So whenever I go to a new city, I'm always asking them to take me on our side of town so I can find some good eating. And I've learned on our side of town that there is a phenomenon uh, that is both disturbing and perplexing at the same time. Whenever you go on our side of town, I don't know how it is down here, but in all the places I've been to, when you go on our side of town, you're going to find this phenomenon, that there literally is a church on every corner and in the middle of every block. I mean, maybe you ain't been on our side of town, but no matter what your flavor of church is, you're going to find it on our side of town because we got a church on every corner and in the middle of every block. Now, the fact that we've got so many churches on our side of town is really what is not disturbing to me. For the reality it is, is that every church is not meant for every person. And therefore, diversity within the body of Christ is the way that God set this thing up. Everybody can't go to your church because everybody doesn't worship the way you worship. So it's all right to have churches like that. What is disturbing to me is not that we have a church on every corner and in the middle of every block. What is disturbing to me is what lies right outside the church doors with a church on every corner and in the middle of every block. Got a church on every corner in the middle of every block, but skyrocketing HIV rates right outside the church doors. Church on every corner in the middle of every block and senior citizens that have to choose between medicine and food right outside the church doors. A church on every corner, every block, but brothers with sagging pants, sisters with swollen bellies and black eyes, drug dealers on every corner, dilapidated schools, young black and Hispanic men dropping out at disproportionate rates but being incarcerated faster than any other racial subgroup in America. But yet in the midst of all of that, we got us a church on every corner and in the middle of every block. And I don't know how you feel about it, but there's something disturbing to me about a church where people go and worship God every week. But yet there's so much ugliness right outside the church doors. It is that disturbing portrait that the gospel writer Luke paints for us here in Acts chapter 3 when he parallels the beauty of church with something ugly right outside its church doors. In Acts chapter 3, we are introduced to a brother whose name we do not know, but whose condition has been put on blast. Everybody knows this brother is lame. 
He cannot function. He cannot operate. He cannot climb the corporate ladder. His criminal record prevents him from getting a good job. His credit record has limited him from accessing the best in American society. He is a brother who is down on his luck and he has found himself outside of the beautiful gate to the temple. Now let me pause and teach this right here for a minute. Although he may be lame in his feet, he is intelligent in his mind. Let me pause and tell you that one of the greatest mistakes you can ever make is making an evaluation of somebody's intelligence based on their physical condition. Because I know a whole lot of folk that don't drive anything nice, don't wear nothing nice, but if you give them a chance, they got a good brain, a good mind. They know how to make a dollar out of 15 cents. They know how to get over. They know how to hustle. They know how to make it. And you will be a fool to assume that they are dumb just because they don't drive what you drive. Here he is. And let me tell you how smart he is. Because you will find that to the temple, there were many entrances. And some of the entrances led directly into the temple where others took you around the marketplace. Watch this. The beautiful gate where the brother has placed himself is the gate that gave direct access to the worship area in the temple. Which means that the people who were coming in and out of the beautiful gate... They weren't going to the market area in the temple. They weren't going to the choir room in the temple. They weren't going to the meeting room in the temple. No, the people going in and out of the beautiful gate were the ones who were serious about worship. These were the ones that said, we didn't come to play. We didn't come for no form of fashion. We didn't come just to hear a choir. We didn't come just to hear a preacher. But we came to get right into the center of the presence of God. And this brother has placed himself in the path of people on their way to worship God. Because in his mind, if anybody ought to be able to help me, it ought to be the folk that are serious about worshiping God. If anybody ought to make a difference in my life, it ought to be the folk that say they love the Lord and have been born again and are Holy Ghost filled and fire baptized and carry big Bibles and sing praise and worship. If anybody ought to make a difference, So here this brother sits, blocking the path of people on their way to church. And everybody that walks by, he asks the same question. Excuse me, bruh. Can you help brother out? Hey, 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 sister saved. I see you on your way to worship God. Can you help brother out? I saw you pull up in your Lexus. Can, 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 you, can you help me? I know you're going in there to shout for about 60 minutes, but, but, but does what you do in there affect how I live out here? Does your worship affect my weekly reality? Does your shout in the sanctuary affect how I live in the streets? Does your worshiping God have anything to do with me? Can you help me out? See you going in there with your Sunday best on. I peeped your red bottom shoes and your matching Gucci bag, but I want to know, does all of that mean anything to me? Can you help me out? Sad thing, though, is that folk been going in and out of the beautiful gate a long time, and nobody has made a difference in his life. Every day he still comes back in the same messed up, jacked up, toe up situation he was in before he got there. And nobody going in and out of the house of God has helped this brother change his life. That is 
until he meets Peter and John. These two apostles, these disciples of Jesus Christ, these brothers who are part of the way, the original term for Christianity, and Peter and John are able to do in his life what nobody else has been able to do since the day he was born. And I just had to stop and wonder, what is it that Peter and John do that makes a difference in this brother's life? Well, I'm, I'm old school Baptist. Can I give you three Baptist ideas and I'll let you go on about your way? Let me tell you the three things they do that make a difference. Number one, they present to him, watch this, a prayerful partnership. The Bible says that while he's sitting there, watch this, you read it so fast, you didn't even catch it. He saw Peter and John walking together. Now let me pause right there because some of y'all may not be Bible readers. And let me tell you that if any two disciples had a reason not to like one another, it was Peter and John. You want to talk about two different disciples? Peter was always the loud mouth, always jumping off. Peter was, was a refined gangster. You remember Peter had him a switchblade in the garden of Gethsemane. He was at church and was still packing. You, you, you know some, some Peters. And, and Peter was a gangster. John was the quiet disciple. John never said much, never got himself in any trouble. Jesus loved Peter so much, he gave him the keys to the kingdom. But he loved John so much, he gave John his mother Mary at the cross and said, look after my mama. So if any two disciples were close and fighting about who loved Jesus more, it was Peter and John. Peter and John were both candidates to be pastor of the First Baptist Church in Jerusalem. They were competitors. It was Peter who was a powerful preacher and got 3,000 folks saved on one message. But, but if you let John get a pen and some paper, John to begin to write you some stuff that will change your world. It was John who declared in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the father. These two brothers were diametrically different. But yet when this brother sees them, they are walking together. They're not fighting about who's a better preacher. They're walking together. They're not arguing about whether you could and could not wear pants in church if you're a woman. They're walking together. They're not debating whether sisters have been called to preach or not. They're walking together. They're not fussing about what name you got to be baptized in. They're walking together. They're not debating whether you got to talk in tongues to prove you got the Holy Spirit. They're walking together. And could it be that our witness to the world has been weakened because we fight among ourselves? more than we fight against the forces of Satan that try to take us down. We got brothers and sisters dying on the street and we're still arguing about what you ought to wear when you come to church. We're still arguing about whether the deacons ought to lead the praise team and whether the choir ought to be in the loft and the world is dying while we're fighting with one another. Who want to join a church? where they know we tear one another down more than anyone else. 
They see you at the beauty salon talking about the prayer requests that came up at altar call. They hear you at the barber shop talking about the mess that's going on in church. Who wants to be part of it? Can I just preach this place? It's hard to worship in a messy environment. It's hard to worship when folk always fighting about each other. Hard to worship when we talk more about each other than we do about Jesus. It's hard to worship when two altos are fighting over one no good tenor. It's hard to worship in a messy environment. And if, if we would help the world, we've got to remember that you and I are not enemies. We may believe and worship differently, but as long as you love Jesus like I love Jesus, and you know that he is the son of God that died on Calvary's cross for your sins and was born and raised again on the third day, then you all right with me, baby. And that's all that really matters because we've got a work to do. They're walking together. And let me tell you how they're together. Even though they're so different, here's why they're together. Because the Bible says they're on their way to prayer. If there's anything we ought to be able to do with one another, it's pray. Pastor, my sister, why I find out there's power? Because, watch this, it's deep, this deep, this deep, this deep. You don't need a president for a prayer meeting. Okay. You, you, you don't have to get the board to vote on a budget for a prayer meeting. You, you ain't got to politic for a prayer meeting. No, no, nobody's got to run for office of a prayer meeting because saints of God, if we ought to be able to do anything together, it's that we ought to be able to come together and pray. And the Bible says that when my people called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, that God will heal the land. We've got to prayerfully partner with one another. That, 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 that's the first thing they, they do to make a difference. They have a prayerful partnership. Can I give you the second thing that makes a difference? Not only do they present with him with a prayerful partnership, but watch this. They give him a personal perspective. Watch what the Bible says. That he's asking Peter and John to hook him up. C can you help brother out? And the Bible says right here, in verse number three, unless you tore it out your Bible, this is what it says. Peter fixed his eyes on him. Okay. Everybody else has been walking by. Peter stops and looks at him. Let me tell you why that's so important. Because we have become masters in not seeing what we just saw. Come on. Was, it, was that too profound? That, that, that we have learned to turn our eyes from the ugly that the Lord has shown us. We become so desensitized by the media portrayal that, that when we see a young brother with bagging pants, we already have a stereotype of how worthy or unworthy he is. When we see a single mother, we've already made a judgment of how she got in that situation. When we see somebody on welfare, we think they already brought it on themselves. But Peter says, let me not prejudge you, but let me look at you and give you some attention and recognize your humanity and your Christ-like ability and the value of your life despite how everyone else has ignored you. 
He looks at him and watch what he says. He tells him, now look at me. Peter says, look at me. Don't listen to my sermon. Look at my life. Watch this. I'm not telling you to go to church. I'm telling you to look at me. I'm not inviting you to hear Pastor Lomax. I'm telling you, look at me. Look at me. Now, why is that so important? Peter's not saying, look at me, because I'm so perfect. Peter literally says, look at me, because I want you to know that I'm the same brother who a few chapters ago denied that I knew Jesus. I am the same brother that cut a man's ear off in the garden of Gethsemane. I'm the same brother that was cussing at the fire while Jesus was on trial. I'm the same brother that walked away from the Lord. But look how the Lord has changed my life. And if God could do it with a wretch like me, surely God is able to do it in your life. Peter says, one of the ways we make a difference with the folk outside the church is literally, watch this, to put yourself on blast. That's a word because some of us got so saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled that you forgot where you came from. Forgot when it used to be you. Forgot that it is by the grace of God that you are where you are. By God's grace, you're still alive. By God's grace, you're still walking. By God's grace, you still got breath in your body. And let me push this. It's one thing to be delivered. It's another thing to be so delivered you can testify about it. Can I tell you why some folk don't testify? Because they ain't certain they delivered yet. Don't look at nobody. That ain't nice. You... But, 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 but when you know the Lord has brought you out, when you know God took the taste out of your mouth, when you know God took the desire out of your heart and took the thought out of your imagination, you ain't got no shame testifying about what you used to be because I know the Lord has brought me a mighty, mighty, mighty long way. Okay, 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 okay. Uh, some, some of y'all stuck on slow. Um, uh, the Lord started talking to me uh, while I was drinking a can of Coca-Cola on the plane. Uh, I'm, I'm telling y'all the truth. The Lord was talking to me. The Lord was talking to me while I was drinking some Coca-Cola on the plane. Um, the, the stewardess brought me a can of Coca-Cola and started drinking the Coke, and the Coca-Cola can started testifying to me. It, it had a testimony on the can. Just, just y'all looking at me crazy. Uh, the can started testifying because I was reading the can. The can said at the bottom, made out of recycled aluminum. I said, my God, what does that mean? And the can started talking and said, listen, I, I just need you to know I ain't always looked like this. That, that this ain't the shape I've always been in. As a matter of fact, I used to look much different than this. And I was so bad that somebody threw me in the garbage. But one day while I was in the garbage, 
Somebody walked by by grace and pulled me out the garbage and took me to the redemption center and changed my life and look at me now. Do I have any recycled saints that know I didn't always look like this? But God, by his grace, pulled me out of the garbage of life and look at me now. Goodbye, fountain. I got to leave y'all now. Y'all move mighty fast around here. He showed them a prayerful partnership, gave them a personal perspective. But let me give you this last one as I feel my Baptistology kicking in. They gave him a powerful product. For the Bible says that he looked at Peter and John and expected to receive some money. And Peter looked back at him and said, silver and gold I do not have. But I got something better than silver. I got something more powerful than gold. I got something that'll make you stand on your feet. I got something that'll put running in your feet and clapping in your hands. I've got something that'll give you joy in the middle of sorrow. I got something that'll wake you up every morning and thank God you're alive one more day. I got something that'll turn your life around. At the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Goodbye, fountain. May the Lord bless you mighty good. But that's what we offer that nobody else can give. We offer salvation in the name of Jesus. And there's some folk here that are testifying. Jesus will change your life. Jesus will turn you around. Jesus will give you strength in your body. Jesus will help you fight your battle. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hey, 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 hey. Can you help a brother out? Can you help a brother out? What a word to us. What kind of church are we going to be? Amen. Stand on your feet, if you will. Let's thank God for the man of God.